8.42, nearly 43. Kelly Kasoulis, you win the prize in the new season so far for the coolest intro music, I think. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Good morning to you. Um, I mean, this is another edition um, for our show this fall season, Culture Digest, a chance to have a bit of light relief, which is often needed after our international news roundup, to be fair. Um, not too many bright sparks around the world, but we're going to have a chance to focus uh, on some of the latest news and trending topics in art, exhibitions, concerts, entertainment and more. Hopefully we won't miss out on anything. Yeah, I hope not. That otherwise, we might be missing out on. Um, we're going to begin today uh, in a place that Korean culture has recently spread, uh, but in a place that we might not expect. Tell us more. Yeah, um, you know, last week, South Korea, as in the entire country, was <laughs> a guest at the Gothenburg uh, Book Fair in Sweden. Um, and it's really interesting because we're talking about this massive book fair. You might not have heard of it, but, you know, 85,000 people, 40 countries, um, basically all these people gathering in this place to learn about Korea on a deeper level. Um, you know, they cover topics from Korean food to Korean feminism, you know, the war and, you know, peace on the Korean peninsula as we're watching it unfold, hopefully. And nine Korean poets and novelists were at the event as well. And a lot of the attention was on Han Kang, the winner of the 26th Man Booker International 2016. Prize. 2016, sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, basically the author of The Vegetarian, which is a legendary book that you can't miss. It, it's a point. modern legend, isn't it? Very quick legend. I guess winning the Man Booker Prize is uh, a good way of assuring that status. I still haven't read it. I have. I have. And? It's really good. Yeah, it's really interesting. A lot of people think it's literally about not eating meat, which is a big misconception. Mm-hmm. Um, great book. It's, it deserved a good presence there. What did you take out of it, mostly, t- if I can put you on the spot? Um, you know, it's it's more about society and um, kind of some of, I guess, like the darker lessons that we can gain from it. Um, I haven't read it in quite some time, but uh, I, you know, after reading that, I also read um, some work by Michael Pollan and other like famous people who actually write more about, you know, the actual topic of vegetarianism. Right, because yeah. it's probably drawn in a lot of people on that title alone. But obviously, as I said, winning the Man Booker International Prize is a good advert in its own right. But why, beyond Han Gang and the Vegetarian, do you think people are so interested in South Korea as, as like an entire country, sort of the guests of honor at this book fair? Yeah, you know, as a journalist, I feel like Korea is kind of one of the hot countries on the international stage right now. On a more serious level, I think it's because... The Korean Peninsula is almost like this modern drama that we're watching unfold with, you know, the summits between North and South Korea, as well as the United States. But also on just a simpler level, BTS, I I think um, we can't over measure the impact that BTS has had on South Korea's reputation. Um, I know the Hyundai Research Institute last year concluded that um, as many as one in 13 tourists Coming to South Korea came in part because of their interest in this band. And I mean, uh, tourism in general in South Korea has been at a record high. So it's just clear that uh, Korea is a hot topic right now. Yeah, I'm still surprised by people taking photos with cutout cardboard BTSs. Right. And they're never actually life-sized, right? They're always, like, strange and shrunken down. But, um, you know, I've done it myself once or twice. Yeah, yeah. okay, fine. (laughs) I I, I won't criticize. I'll try not to judge. But why Sweden? 
Yeah, um, you know, I didn't know this either until recently, but South Korea and Sweden have a long history. Um, As far back as the 1800s, you could argue, there were Swedish missionaries, um, explorers that were coming to Korea. And actually, I read that, you know, one Swedish map had Korea on it as early as 1730. That being said, a lot of the history um, um, together ramped up during the Korean War. Um, Swedish nurses, missionaries, doctors helped uh, build a medical association in South Korea. And these days, believe it or not, many of the producers that are working with K-pop stars are actually Swedish. Um, you know, there's Andreas Olberg, who wrote for Shiny, Girls' Generation. Uh, another big name is Pele Liddell, um, who also worked with Girls' Generation. And if you look this up, you'll actually see Quora questions or questions posed online saying, how come all K-pop songs are written by Swedish people? Or why is K-pop really Swedish? And that's obviously a, a gross over-exaggeration. Mm. But it's interesting. There is a strong connection there culturally. Yeah, enough of a... of a hint of truth for people to ask the question and it's it's uh, obviously uh, more than just bts but bts helping to fuel the uh, the the next wave because frankly this idea of hallyu or the korean wave is is cliched and to say korea is a hot country also we've been saying that for years we'd be burning up by now if that was uh, that fever pitch but 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 what's interesting is that it's not showing a sign of slowing down and continues to gather momentum perhaps the the wave analogy is that there's just one wave after another um let's move on shall we to busan international film festival uh, these big name festivals not just happening abroad but also right in our own doorstep the 2019 biff is uh, starting on october 3rd ending october 12th yeah um you know this is the 25th year of the pusan international film festival and uh, i've never been but i didn't realize how massive this festival really is i mean we're talking about 120 films most of which are feature-length films so uh one and a half to two hours having their world premiere at this festival, right? So that kind of shows how high profile this event really is. And there are 303 films total this year. Yeah, it's certainly a huge deal. Um, Which films are drumming up the most excitement this year? The opening film is certainly, um, you know, getting a lot of talk. It's uh, a lot of people um, are talking about Kazakh cinema lately and how um, it's kind of a growing um, industry trend. There's a lot of great films coming out of that country, Kazakhstan. And um, there's this one um, called The Horse Thieves Roads of Time. And I've seen uh, little bits of it um, that we've been allowed to see. Not mm-hmm. very much. Um, it looks like an incredibly intense film. It's compared to American Westerns a lot. And it's basically about a boy who um, goes out into the world after his father is murdered um, trying to sell horses at a horse market. And, you know, just to quote Yonhap News here, um, it says he witnesses the destruction of his childhood. So we're talking about a very intense film. Um, the director won an award in previous years, so um, it's certainly a film made by a seasoned staff. We, we have a, a kind of homegrown movie, though, that will be closing the festival. Yeah, um, Moonlit Winter by a director named Im Dae-hyung, another award winner. Um, This film, you know, it's not as clear what it's about, but uh, we know that it's about a young woman who reads a letter addressed to her mother. And um, this sounds cryptic, but uncovers secrets along the way. Um, It also looks like a very intense film. So if you're into um, dramas or things that, you know, uh, make you feel suspense or want to cry, this is the event to be at, apparently. There's also a milestone to 
quickly mention? Oh, yes. Um, it's actually the 100th anniversary of the Korean film industry. So um, a lot of people don't know this, but Korean cinema actually dates back to exactly 100 years ago, uh, to the month in October uh, 1919. Um, and just to give you a little bit of background on mm. that, there was a theater named Dan s o n g s a over in Jongno um, back in the early 1900s. It actually started out playing mostly foreign films. And then there was this uh, owner... of the theater. His name was Park Sung-pyo, who actually decided to start funding the first Korean documentary as, wo- as well as the first Korean feature film. Um, I checked it out myself. The first film is actually called Loyal Revenge. Um, supposedly 100,000 people watched it when it premiered. I don't um, you know, you know how true that movie? is. I did not watch the movie. I actually tried to find it and only found little uh, screenshots and things like that. But I was very impressed by how beautiful and cinematic it seemed. There's this one Uh, iconic shot of a person like a man creeping up on a woman in like a waterfall or a shower i really need to see it but um yeah really interesting history going on here this year well uh nice to know about that background and it will certainly fuel further interest as if it needed it because really busan international film festival is always a star-studded and crowd drawing affair even when it's had its own local political problems over recent years um you've got some cultural events that we can round out before we finish today things that listeners can look out for book tickets for arrange to go and see that kind of thing Yep, there's the 2019 World Opera Festival coming up. Uh, it actually is running until November 20th. Um, there's a big event out of that festival with 10 Korean opera singers, if that's your thing, um, over at Lotte Concert Hall. Um, that's in the Lotte World Tower, right? Concert Hall, I believe so. Um, it, it's, I, I, I've passed by there before. And in fact, we did an interview in there once, once upon a time. Uh, it's a great venue. Um, you've got another museum as well to talk about? Yeah, this one actually really excites me. So last week, the Seoul Urban Life Museum opened up. Um, and I really need to go because it sounds like this place is a total nostalgia bomb. It's over in n o w o n g u and has over a thousand artifacts from 1950s to present. So we're talking, you know, old wedding dresses, old toys, old stationery, old cars, things that you would find in people's everyday lives. So I'm really excited about heading over there. And there need to be more reasons to head to No One Goo. And generally, (laughs) the the districts on the fringes of Seoul, to get out and about beyond Gangnam and Gwanghwan and type areas, right? Yeah. As much as I love those places too. But we need good reasons to head over. Um, And and No One Goo is quite accessible, actually, Um, few of the subway lines, including Line 1, heading up there. Um, and Seoul Biennale of Architecture and Urbanism. For people who are into that, something a bit different there too. Yeah, so this one's all over the city. Um, some of the venues are at Dongdaemun Design Plaza or the Seoul Hall of Urbanism and Architecture. Um, and these are exhibits that are running all the way until November 10th. So if you're into urban planning or talking about you know, social organization in a massive city like Seoul, you know, a place where there's 10 to 25 million people, depending on how you count it, uh, this is the place to be. And we've got a website there again, Seoul Biennale. That's uh, B-I-E-N-N-A-L-E dot org. Thank you very much. I'm really excited about the next few weeks and finding out what's going on. Because honestly, I love living in Seoul. I've lived in Seoul for quite a few years now. But I... And I know that there are written, informative guides out there and online guides making sure people... 
get to cultural events, but I just like the radio format for hearing about these things. Maybe it's laziness on my part, but it's nice to just be kind of spoon-fed the information. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to be here as well. That's your job. So thank you. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll bring my pen and paper every Tuesday morning to hear from you then. Uh, Kelly Kasulis, also welcome aboard, by the way, this morning's team. Yeah, thank you. Very promising start. Uh, and that's just about our show for today. Uh, maybe you caught it yesterday. Maybe you didn't. Either way, stay tuned. You don't want to miss out on Life Abroad, one of our brand new shows for the TBS EFM fall season with Na Sung Yeon from 9 to 10 a.m. And if you're into podcasting, as yeah, I definitely am among those people, and I, I think that some of our segments... I aspire to anyway, bringing some of that flavour. But frankly, um, it's just such a, a, a diverse world out there, isn't it, in the podcasting universe? And you can check out Super Radio from 11am, which is full of varied contents from Korean language to food, travel and more on the trendiest topics. Uh, also, big change... English programming's back on at 6pm with another fresh programme, The Scoop, giving you news updates along with music on your commute home. So if you are restricted to English language or you want to listen in English language, hopefully that's a a welcome addition for you as well in the evenings. Uh, Stay tuned for all of that and more. Uh, On the way next, as I mentioned, Live Abroad with Na Sung Yeon. Let me just say thank you to our producer, Christina So, and our writers, Cher Kyung-mi and Im Young-ju. We'll be back tomorrow at 7.05.